Many of you might accuse me of being hungry while writing this sermon after hearing this opening in a second. And you're right. One of my favorite things to have, especially as the weather is getting better, are ribs. I thought I had an amen somewhere. Ain't nothing like some good ribs, man. But many of you like those fall-off-the-bone ribs. No, no, fall-off-the-bone juicy ribs. No, no, missed something, missed something. That fall-off-the-bone juicy season well ribs. I mean, you ever had those ribs where you ain't need no barbecue sauce? Those kind of ribs. Now, I'm not a cook, but between Google and a few of my friends that cook, I discovered how you get the meat to fall off the bones. As weird as it may sound, the meat you know and love is nothing more than a muscle. Be it from fish or four-legged friends, It's more or less the same. Among the myriad of muscle fibers in every cut of meat, there are also fibers of connective tissue. As the name would imply, this type of tissue connects different parts of the body to another. Am I doing all right, Nurse Ashley, so far? Providing structure and protection where needed. Some connective tissues, like ligaments, connect bones to other bones, while others, like tendons, connect bones to muscle. That said, it'd be wise to consider what happens to connective tissue when you cook meat. Collagen is the most abundant protein in the body. And it is also what makes up a large ratio of all connective tissue. Under the heat stress of a stovetop, oven, or grill, a grill, this protein begins to break down and liquefies around 150 degrees. This protein is also extremely water. So, uh, 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 it breaks down uh, uh, when, when, when water is heated, meaning that when you add liquid, the process is accelerated. As both heat and moisture are effective ways of reducing connective tissue to the goodness that slides off that bone. But what do ribs and falling off the bone have to do with today's sermon? Well, glad you asked. What we have discovered is Pharaoh has attached himself to God's people, not with connection fibers, tissues, and ligaments but instead with ligaments of power and tissues of fear. He doesn't plan to slide off easy, so God is getting ready to turn up the heat. But it will be a a slow cook. God takes his time to deliver Israel as he wants to do it right. When God is done, Pharaoh's power and fear is going to fall right off of God's people. And as we praise the cook for their impeccable timing and chemistry to make fall-off-the-bone delicious ribs, we too will praise God as he reveals his ability to cause our enemies to loosen their grips of fear and sin and worry and fall right off of our lives. We witness this kind of fall-off-the-bone power and chosen Moses 
season six. But first, a recap. Previously on Chosen Moses. I will not skip the recap. God's people, Israel slash Hebrews, are enslaved in Egypt. If you've been rocking with us for these last few weeks, Moses, the Hebrews, adopted by Egyptian royalty, tried to be the savior of the slaves in his own power, which fails miserably. He kills the Egyptian taskmaster for beating a Hebrew slave, and so he's a fugitive running for his life. We see this in season four. He flees to Median where he gets married and he has a family. Go ahead, Moses, with your bad self. And about 40 years pass, and he's out tending the ship. And they're like, God, to find you alone. And as he does so, God speaks to him supernaturally through the form of a burning bush. Everybody knows about the burning bush. He calls Moses on a mission, a mission to lead the people of Egypt from the grips and the ligaments and the tissues of Pharaoh. Yet Moses, not confident within himself, he makes excuses like the rest of us just being human, not feeling like he's up to the task for which God has called him to. In fact, he, he, he so much wanted to get out of it, he asked God to send somebody else. But God says, no, Moses, you're the guy. But your brother, watch it now, Aaron, can go with you. They go and tell Pharaoh to let God's people go. Pharaoh being the arrogant, narcissistic jerk that he is, says, absolutely not. And he makes life harder and more oppressive for the Israelites. They get mad. They grumble at Moses and Aaron like, hold up, wait a minute. I thought you said that God was going to free us. I told y'all, it's going to be a slow cut. And we ended the season five with unbelief and frustration, but nevertheless on the tiptoes of anticipation, wondering what will happen next. I'm glad you came because season six unfolds even more. But the key line last week was this for me. Uh, maybe yours was different. But Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. It's on and cooking now, as Pharaoh proclaims, I don't even know this God that you're talking about. And what do we say to that? Pharaoh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh. You are about to discover, you are about to find out who the Lord is, and it's not going to be pretty. One commentator describes this section as the battle of the gods, indeed. For Pharaoh was viewed as the supreme god of Egypt and was worshipped as the god of order and control. In a society where the Nile flooded as surely as as old faithful gestures blows, the, the whole agricultural society depended on the rhythm of flood and water, of planting and harvesting, of sowing and reaping. And Pharaoh was viewed as the God who kept order and balance. God is about to dismantle every category for which Pharaoh was praised. 
Mm, I better say that again because you, you ought not miss that part right there. If you miss that part, you may accuse me at the end that you didn't arrive to the intended destination of the preacher. And so let me say that line again. You want to tuck this away. Here it is. God is about to dismantle the most powerful man of his day, the abuser of Israel. God is getting ready to dismantle him brick by brick, every category for which Pharaoh is praised. God is about to redirect some folks' worship. Y'all got to get ready for this. For this time, he says, Exodus 9, 14, for this time, I will send all my plagues on you yourself and on your servants and your people so that you may know that there is no one like me in all the earth. I mean, God talking heavy, man. Each of the ten plagues is a weapon of mass destruction. Each of them would devastate even modern nation like ours with all the technology and the sophisticated and all the degrees that we got. Yet we today would not be able to stand against God's arsenal of weapons that he's getting ready to release on Egypt. These plagues are not random. Each has a purpose. God doesn't just move randomly. God has purpose behind what he does. And, it's, and, and it is to show that the gods of Egypt are no gods at all. Mm, let me say that again. It is to show that the gods of Egypt are no gods at all. It is to show that the gods of Egypt are no gods at all. And the moment is coming in your life where God is going to have to do some things to show you that the things in which you depend upon are no gods at all, but that there is only one God that sits on high with all power and wisdom and authority. It's only one God who's carried you this far. It's only one God who's kept you. It ain't been your paycheck. It ain't been your 401k. It ain't been the people in your life. It ain't been your good dressing. It ain't been your good looks. It ain't been your social media followers. No, it's been me the whole time, baby, holding you together. I'm trying to contain myself. I got a long way to go. Y'all heard them. They said it. <laughs> they said take my time. Uh, some of y'all say, I got something else to say about that. Yeah, come on. Uh, funny. <laughs> Funny that Pharaoh is a god of order, but he is out of order. He has himself on top, and then he got animals after that. And he said, this God y'all talking about, I don't even know him. He ain't even in no category. And so God has to do some rearranging, if you will, in order to cause Pharaoh to fall off of his people to detach him. The stronging attaching ligament we have to anything is worship. The, strongy, the strongest attaching ligament we have to anything is our worship. And often it is a slow cook to change that. Look at what the Bible says in Exodus 7 verses 1 through 7. It's a long piece right here. And the Lord said to Moses, see, I have made you like the God to, I may, I've made you like God to Pharaoh. And your brother, Aaron, shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother, Aaron, shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden the heart of Pharaoh, 
And though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. God, thank you for the heads up. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my host, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. This brings us to season six, episode one. God reveals his sovereignty to the Egyptians. Why is God going to slow cook this battle? Why is God going to slow cook this battle? One of the things about ribs, y'all, I know I keep talking about ribs. Let me go back to ribs. One of the things about ribs that slow cook is, is that they feel the air. Everyone knows where ribs, that ribs are around because you smell them before you ever see them. Drive down Lincoln Highway in Chicago Heights and you'll smell the ribs before you see Chicago Pit. Or drive down Broadway and you'll smell Collins before you see Collins. And this is not by accident because the cook does it on purpose. Why? Because, because the smell of the rib joint draws people to the rib joint. Same is true here with God. God is going to fill the air with his glory. Why? To draw people to him and away from Pharaoh. That, 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 that before they ever encounter God, they're going to smell him all in the air. His glory, his majesty, greatness, his bigness. God is slow cooking on purpose because before he delivers them, he's going to fill the air with himself. His purpose is to display the fact that he is the Lord. Not only to Israel, no, but to Egypt. Not only to Egypt, but to the whole world. Because he's not just the God of the Israelites. He's not just the God of the Egyptians. He's the God of the whole wide world. If you didn't catch it, he's the God of your tail right now in this moment. The Egyptians will know that he is the Lord. And when it's all Said and done, they will know that he is the Lord. Now, they may not accept it, but they're going to know it. You know, they say, like, uh, you ain't got to be scared to get beat up or you ain't got to be scared to go to jail. Like, uh, uh, it's still going to happen whether you like it or not. Um, They're going to know that he's the Lord. Now, they may not accept it. So the whole purpose of this challenge between God and Pharaoh is going on in this passage before us will be to display the lordship of God, the sovereignty of God. God knows the future, and he controls the future. Amen, somebody. Pharaoh is a pawn in God's hand. God says, Pharaoh will not listen to you. He tells Moses before he goes, if Pharaoh's not going to listen to you, don't be surprised. I'm going to harden his heart. Pharaoh's stubbornness will occasion God's display of signs and wonders, which he calls great acts of judgment. Judgment for what? Judgment on Egypt for their idolatry and the enslavement of Israel. God got a problem with idolatry and God got a problem with the mishandling of image bearers. But I need to park here because I need you to see something that idolatry and the, the idolatry and the mistreatment of image bearers go hand in hand. The result will be that all Egypt and the whole world will know that God is the God of Egypt, not the now God. 
not the land God, not the sun God. No, there's only one God, and his name is Yahweh. The deed that God calls on Mo and A.A. Ron to perform is a frontal assault upon Egypt and upon the sovereignty of Pharaoh. God wants to expose to all the people that this dude ain't sovereign. He just a dude. That this cat that y'all fearing, he ain't nothing but a man. This is the strongest ligament of attachment he has to God's people. They think he is sovereign, therefore they worshiped him. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh. God told them what to do. They roll up on my boy. They take an Uber there, y'all. The Uber drops them off at the front of Egypt, and, and they did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servant, and it became a serpent. Hold up, wait a minute, it's getting interesting. This is the part of the Netflix where you're just like, okay, this is getting good. Nobody bother me. Dang, I got to go to the bathroom. No, I'm going to sit here. I got to see this. And Pharaoh summoned the wise man. It was almost anything you can do, I can do, I can do better. And so Pharaoh summoned the wise man and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. But watch this. This is where it gets a little funny. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staff. And still Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord has said. Now, there's a lot going on here, right? You get caught up in the snakes and the staff and all that. But there's some crazy stuff going on here if you do your homework. And so it begins. Moses leads with the miracles God showed him at the burning bush. Aaron throws down Moses' staff, and it becomes a snake. Notice such an interesting detail. The snake of Aaron's staff swallow all the others. Why did God choose to do this first? Well, here's one reason I discovered in my homework. Many of you know that on the front of Pharaoh's crown was an enraged female cobra, a serpent, a symbol of the goddess of Lower Egypt. This symbol was thought by the Egyptians to possess divine and magical power. And so when Aaron throws down the rod, which becomes a snake, he is directly challenging the authority of Pharaoh. God coming at his whole head. Some of y'all catch that later. Whose authority was symbolized in this serpent creature? And so we see the very symbol chosen as a way in which God is challenging Pharaoh's sovereignty. Like, bro, what's up? You sovereign? I say I'm sovereign. Let's do the dang thing. And the, the, and, and the devouring snake foreshadowed God's power overwhelming all the powers of Pharaoh in Egypt. God is prepare, preparing Pharaoh to fall right off the bone. But not yet. Here's the thing. Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen. And what follows are the famous ten plagues. There have been many attempts to find an organizing principle for them and in attempts to explain them from natural phenomena. As good as any is Boyce, who notes that Egypt had 80 major gods and goddesses. These clustered around three parts, the Egyptian life, the Nile River, 
the land in the sky. While not every plague directly corresponds to Egyptian gods, they all display God's power over either the river, the land, in the sky. I love the way that God contextualizes himself to communicate to people. So here's a chart. If we have, we can throw it up, a chart. They, they are, according to Techflix, a worthy of, uh, of their own episode. What better way to display God's glory than to dominate the gods the Egyptians worship? What better way to humble a society and culture? Friends, sometimes God will take the things that you trust and worship the most in order to detach you from it for your own safety. Because idols are no gods at all. They are actually parasites sucking the life from us because they are dependent on us. There is one God who doesn't take life but gives life, and his name is Yahweh. Because only the true God is not dependent on human effort. Only the true God is not dependent on creation. Only, only the true God can do life without you. And watch him turn up the heat to prove it. Season 6, episode 2, plague 1, the Nile turns to blood. And the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refused to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning. As he's going out to the water, stand on the bank of the Nile and to meet him and take in your hand the staff that turned into a serpent. And you should say to him, hey, yo, Pharaoh. That's how I read my Bible. The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, sent me to you, homie, saying, let my people go. I don't know why I see Moses kind of turn up a little bit. That's just me. I'm sure he didn't do that. That's just the hood in me. Y'all pray for me. Let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. But so far you have not obeyed. Thus says the Lord, by this you shall know I am the Lord. Behold, with, with, with the staff that's in my hand, I will strike the water that is in the Nile, and it shall turn into blood. The fish in the Nile shall die, and the Nile will stink. It was, it was King James, it was stinketh. And the Egyptians will grow weary of drinking water from the Nile. We cannot overstate how important the Nile River is to ancient Egypt. It flooded yearly and enriched the soil, making the Nile farmlands the richest soil on earth. The Nile was considered divine, if you will. It is interesting we find the king there. Some believe Pharaoh might have been participating in some Nile ritual. But it is good to note a correlation between season two and season six. Y'all remember that once upon a time, the daughter of Pharaoh had met Moses on the banks of the Nile and her actions would forever change the future of the life of Moses. Do y'all remember? Now Moses meets Pharaoh on the banks of the Nile and in his actions will not only forever change the life of Pharaoh, but of Pharaoh's household. The language here deliberately mirrors the language of season two, 
when Pharaoh's daughter meets Moses and discovers him and draws him out of the water on the banks of the Nile. God is funny, y'all. Pharaoh, I had you raise up my liberator, pay child support to a kid that wasn't yours, and now I'm going to use that same child to tear down your entire kingdom. You can't get wiser than God. I got to just stop right here. God just do some crazy things. God takes the things that we think that it got. God goes in a way that nobody can figure him out. That's why the Bible says that he took the cross and, 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 and he literally, literally crushed the wise by the cross, which is foolishness to people. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all. You want to praise God right now because God can use your weakness to deliver you. Oh, he's able. Yes, he is, church. Yes, he is. And so God shows his power over the God of the Nile by turning it into a dead river. The name of the Egyptian Nile God is Happy. The God Happy is about to become very unhappy. <laughs> but did it work? Pharaoh let him go? So Pharaoh hearts remain hardened. Y'all supposed to say, y'all don't know. Y'all supposed to act like y'all ain't never heard this story before. Come on now. Let's keep, keep up now. Y'all think y'all know everything. So Pharaoh heart remained hard, and he would not listen to them as the Lord said. Pharaoh turned and went into his house, and he did not take even to his heart. And all the Egyptians dug along the Nile for water to drink, for they could not drink the water of the Nile. Seven full days passed after the Lord has struck the Nile, bringing us to season six, episode three, plague number two, feeling froggy, then leap. So, sorry, y'all. So, my bad to me. Uh, so, so Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. But the magicians did the same by their secret arts and made frogs come up in the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Plead with the Lord. Oh, y'all didn't catch it. Now nah, he won't do him. Go talk to this God that he didn't know. Plead with the Lord to take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. Frogs may not seem that scary. He could have said alligators, he could have said crocodiles, crocodiles from the Nile, but he didn't. I suspect there were some Egyptian boys who enjoyed this plague at first. Boys like frogs, I know my boy does. But if frogs were literally everywhere, they were on the gram, they were on the bird, they were downtown Chicago, they were on Fifth Avenue, they were at the Railcast Stadium. I mean, it was hopping up in Egypt. And everything, unlike anything seen in history, what would the Egyptians start thinking? Maybe there's something to this God of Israel. Indeed, unlike the Nile to the blood, this one got Pharaoh's attention. They had that titanic faith at first, didn't they? It will never sink. Egypt will never sink. But all of a sudden, you see a crack in the titanic of their faith as God is, is sending one plague after the other. Moses said to Pharaoh, be pleased to command me when I am to plead for you and for your servant and for your people that the frog be cut off from you and your house and be left only in the Nile. And he said, tomorrow, Moses said, be it as you say. 
so that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. The frogs should go away from you and your house and your servants and your people, and they shall be left only in the now. If it is God's power that brings them, it shows God's power to pick the time they go away. And so Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried to the Lord about the frogs as he had agreed with Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the words of Moses. The frogs died out in the house, the courtyard, in the field, and they gathered them together in a heap, and the land stank. Every ever smell something that hours later you can't get your, can't get that smell out your nose. I'm like God, why you see them? God, why you being petty? Why you see them frogs back to the river? You gonna leave them right there, let them die? I got you. Uh, that that but 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 for days Egypt would be would be filled with the smell of a bloody river and rotten frogs. But yet it was not enough for Pharaoh to fall off of God's people. And when Pharaoh saw that these were, that, that the frogs had went back, he hardened his heart and would not listen to them as the Lord has said. Now, the plagues go from originating in the river to coming from the land. Season 6, episode 4, plague number 3, gnats. Nobody like gnats. And the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your staff, strike the dust of the earth, so that it may become gnats in all the land of Egypt. And the dust of the earth became nets, and nets everywhere and on everything. If instead of nets, what if this was mosquitoes, y'all? Let me tell y'all. Let me tell y'all. If it was mosquitoes, there wouldn't be no need for no. There wouldn't be no need for another plague, because Pharaoh would be itching to let God's people go. Some of y'all catch that later. Some of y'all catch that. <laughs> See what I did? My bad. My bad. Hey, y'all. I couldn't help myself. I tried to let it go, but I was itching to say it. I couldn't. Oh, no, let, me, let me keep going. Let me keep going. But this is really bad. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the frogs. This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he would not listen to them as the Lord has said. This is the first plague, y'all. Watch this. The Egyptian musicians, uh, 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 magicians couldn't repeat, starting to smell like barbecue all of a sudden. Something is starting to fall off. At first, they were able to do everything that Moses did, and now they get to a place where they can't do what Moses is doing, and they say, this has got to be God. Satan got some power, but God got all power. Y'all keep up now. Sorcerers, Pharaoh, y'all keep up with me now. I'm just getting started in this place. All right? You guys have been doing some stuff that I've been doing, but I'm getting ready to do some stuff that can't nobody do. I'm God up in this place. And I love how we enter into season six, episode five, plague four. This got to be the worst one ever. God going to see in flies. If flies don't get you, I don't know what would get you. Flies would have been it for me. I would have been like, uh-uh, I ain't doing the flies now. Similar to next, massive swarms of flies. They didn't have glass windows. They didn't have screen doors. Flies are the most irritating bug there is. They were literally everywhere. Except, except, watch this. Watch, hold the shout. They were everywhere. Except where Israel lived in Goshen. 
No, you got to slow down because you'll just zoom right on past that. God begins, first he leaves them behind in his ability to perform miracles. Then God begins to make a distinction between those who are his and those who are not. Egypt created redlining, and if you look on the map, flies are everywhere except the hood in the ghetto. God has a way of keeping his people while judging everyone else. You ever had everybody else worried about the world and you just sitting there happy and you in peace because God got a way of keeping you when everything else is falling apart. That doesn't mean that he always keep all your material things, but he'll keep your peace. He'll keep your joy. He'll keep your worship in the midst of everything. People be looking around like, what's wrong with her? Something must be going on with him. No, you don't understand that God has brought me through some things. And so the things that bother you don't bother me because I know the God who's in control. I mean, that kind of peace, friend. I'm not talking about Flies over there and flies over here. I'm talking about worry over there and none over here. I'm talking about anxiety over there and nothing over here. Because God has a way. Yes, he does, friend. Oh, I just wish that you had that kind of relationship with him. Oh, yes, it is available to you, child of God, that kind of peace. I didn't seen some saints go through some things. And I say, why haven't you cracked down the middle yet? I'd have been on my face. I'll be done wanting to quit. But I see them go through the storm and through the fire. Come here, Hebrew boys, who they thought should have got burned in the fire. But didn't they walk out with their whole self? Didn't they do it? God is able church yes he is and so if you if you kind of put your ear up to the text maybe you can hear what I heard Wednesday when I start writing this part maybe you can hear the chatter in Israel can you begin to hear the chatter in the hood at the liquor store at the school Yo, did you hear what's happening over in Egypt? Did you see the TikTok video? Girl flies everywhere. Can you see, did you see that meme the other day? But more importantly, that maybe Pharaoh, maybe he's not sovereign. Can you, can you hear it? Can you see it? Can you feel it? Maybe, maybe our God is strong. Anybody relate? When God starts to overcome your situation that you thought couldn't be overcome, and all of a sudden, uh, just, uh, just a little bit of faith starts to creep in, and doubt begins to diminish Maybe just a little bit, not in its entirety, but I'm talking about when you were crushed under the weight of your circumstance and all of a sudden God just took his finger and just lifted it just a little bit. And you said, oh my goodness, maybe he is real. Maybe he is able. I don't know about you, but I almost dropped my laptop, 
started to shout because I've been in these kind of moments and kind of situations that I thought had me. And God showed up just a little bit. He didn't take it all the way away. He just took a little bit. Okay. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. I don't know if they're with me, Ash. Let me see. Let me see. You know, every now and again during that pandemic when we heard a little bit of hope, uh, it begins. Uh, okay, maybe that didn't work. Um, um, and your marriage and your spouse start to have a little bit of conversation. Like, it didn't change the whole thing, but it was just a little bit. Okay, maybe, maybe under the weight of depression and anxiety, and one day you went to church, and the word hit you just a little bit. A little bit for you not to do what you were going to do before you entered the building. We'll just keep that between you and us. I won't say what it was, but just a little bit. And here it is. Israel is starting to have a little bit of hope and a little bit of faith because God is moving. But a pattern is forming when it comes to Pharaoh. Pharaoh asks Moses to take it away. Moses does. Pharaoh refuses to let God's people go. I want you to see something. God keeps his word and Pharaoh is not. Pharaoh's heart is hardened. His hard time after time. And even when we go to plague number five, episode six, he's still the same way. God touches the livestock and Pharaoh sent. And behold, not one of the livestock of Israel was dead, but the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. Again, God distinguishes between Israel and Egypt, all their livestock dead. People of Israel, not dead. Was this enough? Oh, no, I will not let your people go. Pharaoh's heart was hardened yet again. But he is weakening. It's a slow cook. But he's weakening. The meat is loosening from the bones. The air is beginning to feel with Yahweh. Can you smell it, church? His, his, his majesty and his presence and his power is beginning to feel the air. And when God begins to feel the air... Hope begins to fill the air. Joy begins to fill the air. Worship begins to fill the air. Hands begin to go up. Hope begins to go up. Praise begins to go up. When he begins to fill the air, I know that's how I feel when I get closer to that barbecue joint. Eden's almost on the way. The air is filling up, not with the name of Pharaoh, but with the name of Yahweh. The unknown God is making himself known. And as he does, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, grip is loosening on God's people. But he is yet to let them go. Will he let them go? We'll find out next time on Chosen Moses. But what can we post? 
as we do with every good show, we immediately go to our social media accounts and we begin to post what we thought or what we would have did if it was us and how we would have acted and things like that. I want to give you something to post. I want to give you something that will walk with you on Monday morning. I want to give you something that will give you hope come tomorrow. What does flies and and nets and rivers and niles have to do with 2022? Friend, the same thing that it had to do with the king of Egypt, it has to do with today. Only God can change a heart. Only God can change a heart. Pharaoh rejects God over and over. Can you think of a better picture of the truth that only the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit can change the heart of a sinner than that. What else could God have done to prove to Pharaoh that I am? What more could have God have done? Pharaoh, here's my power. Pharaoh, watch how I am able to treat with contempt the greatest occult power of your people. We learn humans do not let go of their own desires to be worshipped easily. I'm sure Pharaoh doesn't want to give up his power easily. He's thinking, if I let these people go, there goes my empire. There goes my worship. What do you mean, there goes my empire, that goes my worship? It strikes at the very core of the issue with the human heart that we desire to be worshipped. We desire to be the center of the universe, and God will not have it. Only God can change the heart. But we got our own pharaohs in our own hearts. Yeah, it's easy to look at the king of Egypt and judge him. What about your own pharaohs that are sitting on your heart today, ruling your life, controlling what you do, controlling your mind, messing up your relationships? What do you do with those pharaohs? Only God can cause those things to fall off church. I remember one time, I was doing a job, a flooring job, and I brought all kind of equipment. I brought all kind of machines. I was doing a commercial kitchen, y'all, and I was, I was going to work on that kitchen. I was trying to get that dirt in between those crevices that were that that was compact with grease. But no matter how hard I scrub, no matter how hard I try, I couldn't get that dirt off of that floor. Y'all ain't going to believe this, but I went around the corner on the other side of the kitchen and I seen this really clean floor. And I'm like, how did this floor get like this? Come to find out. The guy the day before used this thing called degreaser. Anybody know about oven cleaner? Oh, yeah, love me some oven cleaner, right? And so I found out that he let that oven cleaner sit overnight. And, and guess what happened to that dirt and all of that junk? It came falling off. Friends, sometimes we've been trying to get things off of our life in our own power, in our own strength. But sometimes you need something more powerful than yourself to get things to fall off of your life. <laughs> and friends, I came to tell you, 
I know one greater than degreaser. God himself is able to do exceedingly abundantly. Y'all don't mind if I testify for a minute. Y'all heard my birthday is tomorrow. But let me tell you, the 19-year-old Dexter ain't the same Dexter at age 34. God has done a work in this young man's life. There were some pharaohs that were keeping me captivated in God's every And I know, I know, I know, no, 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 I know I'm changed. No, y'all, no, no. No, like I'm changed, changed, y'all. Okay, let me tell you how I know I'm changed. Because there are some things that people say to new decks that old decks wouldn't let ride. Oh, yeah, there's some things that people do and say to new decks. That old decks would have been raised up already. And when those moments happens, I say, I know that there is a redeemer. I know that there is a God. I wish I had a church. Oh, I wish I had a church this morning that wouldn't let me testify by myself. That you got some stuff in your life that used to be. That's not anymore. That's some stuff that folks didn't say to you at work. Sometimes I'd be like, I wish they would have called me 10 years ago. Oh, they would have called me 10 years ago. Oh, thank the Lord they didn't catch me 10 years ago. 10 years ago, I would have gave them their deliverance. <laughs> but right now, God, he's you to deliver me. No, I know I've been changed. And though those things say that they are stronger than God in your life, they are not stronger than him. I need y'all to know that the Holy Spirit is real. That he's able to set you free. You see, also in this situation, God's impeccable timing. One of the things I love about great cooks is that their timing is impeccable. Uh, anybody know anything about baking a cake? You got to know when to put it in, but you got to know when to take it out. Because if you take it out too early, it'll fall. If you take it out too late, it'll be dry. But if you take it out at just the right time, it'll be just the right cake that you can't get enough of. And what I like about God is that he knows when to put you in, and he knows when to take you out, church. Israel has been in this situation for 400 years. 400 years of abuse. 400 years of being looked over. 400 years of not being able to climb the ladder. 400 years of being discriminated against. 400 years of not being treated like a human being. Do you know what that does to a person? But God knows when to put you in. And he knows when to take you out. Last thing I want to do with the final analysis before I take my seat. I didn't kept you too long. But I would be remiss if I didn't tell you this. The last thing we found out in this story is this. And I don't want you to forget it. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. I don't want you to forget this. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. 
Pharaoh functions at another level in this story. Pharaoh is the symbol and representative of the satanic forces which are arrayed against God's people. Look, Moses' people have already heard him read Genesis to them, and it is not lost to them that the key antagonist in the story wears a serpent on his forehead. They know what Moses said about the great hero and who will come and crush the serpent under his feet. And that's exactly what we, what we are being told here in Exodus chapter 7. Pharaoh is the symbol of Satan's opposition to the people of God, and God is redeeming work. He is not only redeems his people out of the pit, but he destroys all the forces that are arrayed against us. The Lord work of redemption includes not only purchasing his people at a price, but also his destruction of all the forces arrayed against them and against his rule. Why all this drama? Why all of these plagues this season? Why not just end Pharaoh in season two? Why not just deliver us from a pandemic? Why all this pain and suffering before the great deliverance? Why allow all evil men to rule? God says this, for by now I could have put you, I could, I could, I could have put, put out my hand, instruct you, worship team is coming back at this time, instruct you and your people with pestilence, and you would have been cut off from the earth. Watch it, church. But for this purpose, I have raised you up, to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. That's why God saved you. That's why God rescued you. That's why God did it as a slow cook, so that you would proclaim his name in all the earth. God slow cooks, not just so that our enemies will fall off of us, but so that our sin and our doubt and our fears would fall off of us as well, that he may fill the air with the aroma of his glory. What's filling your atmosphere this morning, Bethel Garrett? 